0: Okay, so it's good afternoon and welcome to January 2023. It is so amazing that I find that so many people know absolutely nothing about the mandates of the American government, and then choose not to understand why. It is amazing that people just don't understand that America was just never free, and there is a cost of freedom for people who look like me and people who look like you. I don't compare myself to anyone. I know who I am. And if you feel uncomfortable because I'm where I am and you're where you are, understand that I don't have anything to do with that. That's all based on your choices. And everybody has them. What can I say? I'm not gloating, but hell, I know where I am. I'm blessed. And I'm grateful for that blessing. And what can I say about... What's happening in your local community? I can't say a damn thing. What can I say about what people are willing to do for you? Because I know what I'm willing to do for myself. And I also am willing to do for my children. But, you know, hey, what is it? What does it matter if I can cook my son a meal and take it to him? Well, then he can eat and stay healthy. But it matters to some folks. But the real deal is is that the obligation is ours. And you can pretend that you don't have an obligation to ensuring adequacy and effectiveness for public services that are mandated across America. And honestly, what can I say? That's your choice to understand. Your choice to do what it is that you do. And if you don't see that the knowledge that you actually possess at this moment, at this time in the universe is relevant to who you are and who you have become. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that somehow change is not going to happen. Change happens with or without you. You know, somebody, you know, so, I can't live with or without you. I can live without you. <laughs> That's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm what can I say when people don't understand that they just have human rights? And What do those rights look like? You know, I was going to play, I was on Wisdom and I was talking about, it was a, a rally or something, a, a meeting, and they were talking about civil rights in 19 and some years ago, in <laughs> 19 something. And I think we should go back there to where I was because I want to have some comments about, you know, who's that? Oh, that's the member ID right there. I just need to remember that. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna copy it, send it to myself. Mm hmm. Mancy. And then I'm just gonna put it on a note. Where's the note? Notes, 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 notes. Mm. I'll just send it to myself. How do I say? mm-hmm that's amazing I don't have it I have it somewhere. long mm-hmm this will do fine mm-hmm command Vance there you go and I'll save it There we go I don't know how to save it it should save mm-hmm Nope. And share it to myself, of course. And there we go. Oh really? Instead of uh, doing something. Okay. I'm gonna send it to myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. I'll live here. Mm-hmm. Mine, my, mine. It's always something. mm mm-hmm. I want to say it to myself. Yeah, I did. I to say it to myself. Oh, Lord, that was difficult. But you just don't know enough about life, no matter how old we get. We don't know enough about life and the integrity of life and what it should be. So let me just go back into the conversation where we were earlier. Where is it going to be? Here we are. Y'all,
1: And with Listen collective up. policies to limit inequality. The contrasting oh, and principles I, of categorical exclusion.
0: I don't own the copyrights for this material. I'm just using it to share knowledge.
1: ...categorical allocation of resources as over against genuine equal opportunity are clear. Equality of opportunity does require positive action of whatever kind is feasible and effective in allowing individuals to develop and use their talents. Considering past discrimination and other disadvantages, the needed positive action is where the emphasis must go. Finally, if this is not too general and abstract, all solutions to problems create new problems. We should not be discouraged by that. It's inevitable. The very success of a solution guarantees that it will generate new problems for us. That's why we have history. That's why we're not robots. The mark of great societies as of great men and women is not just the capacity to solve a problem, but to continually face and solve new problems. The deepest meaning of equality of opportunity in America would be that our society comes to provide the specific and realistic conditions in which all persons can engage in that adventure of continuous confrontation with problems, with all their capacities, and with the zest that comes to everyone when we know we are performing at our best. Thank you.
2: Yesterday I called attention to the members of the university committee, which planned this symposium. One of those members is Dr. Melvin P. Sykes, Professor of Educational Psychology at the
3: University of Texas at Austin. He will introduce our guest speaker this morning, Dr. Sykes.
2: In their absence, I would like to recognize President and Mrs. Johnson, Chief Justice and Mrs. Warren, Congressman Pickle, and Texas' most beautiful gift to Capitol Hill, Congresswoman-elect Jordan. In a day of what has been called phony patriotism, in a day of seeming anti-intellectualism in a day of a strange kind of metamorphosis where our national emblem seems to be changing from the eagle to the ostrich in a day of benign neglect if not utter disregard in a day when a landslide for apathy is mistaken for a mandate from the people in a day when there is oblique support for the resurgence of the clan and and an ignoring of this by the fbi one begins to wonder, is America safe? This question was raised in the 18th century.
0: Raised in the 18th century.
2: And a black man was the first person to die to ensure the safety of America at that time. The question was raised again, In the 19th century, there is a document Mm -hmm. in its original form in the library of the LBJ, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson Library, the Emancipation Proclamation, that spoke to the question, is America safe? And black men died at that time to ensure its safety in the middle of the 20th century, at a time when black Americans were trying to prick the conscience of white America by what we call riots. Although when it happened earlier, during the Revolutionary War, we called it a struggle for independence. A struggle for independence. The question raised again. I want to go back for a moment to the Civil War period because Abraham Lincoln said, I am concerned about the Union. Me too. My total concern is for the safety of the Union. Mm-hmm. If I can save the Union without freeing one slave, I, would do I will it. do that.
0: Amen. That's what
2: he if said. I have to free all slaves to save too. the Union, I will do that my concern is the safety of america so to speak of course i thought he was trying yes. to say just me no the safety of the union today the question is raised again And All of course i might say that you probably didn't know that you probably didn't know about christmas addicts because that wasn't in your history books amen and i didn't find in my history books there is a lot of educational deprivation do you understand? I say to you,
0: I want to. I want to say this really quick because you have to understand. We're not learning about who we are as people, as Americans. And simply, this was uh, uploaded six years ago, and it's only had eight hundred views. And if I could get more views, well, then I mean, you know, it's the Civil Rights Summit of 1972, day two. First video, the first video number one.
2: Go and check it out. As long as we have persons like Julian Bond, America will be safe. America will be safe because Julian Bond graduated from a black college. Demeaned, underfinanced, poor in many ways but rich in their contributions to America. A reading of your history will recount and talk about the kinds of persons who have graduated mm-hmm. from black schools. Morehouse
0: mm-hmm. being
2: one of the leading institutions there. Yes, America as, will be safe. That's right, as, as black long people
0: who we are in Congress some have graduated from, black, from institutions. black institutions. And while
2: on that subject, I think that maybe Our busting and exchange should have started with our college administrators and teachers so that they might have learned what it's like so they could better teach the younger ones and help them to understand busting issues.
0: Amen. The white people are not clapping.
2: Julian Bond was the communications director for SNCC. SNCC? He worked diligently he had the courage of his convictions. He was the beginner of trouble in Atlanta. And I think the one thing trouble in Atlanta, I heard, uh, he began the quote agitation, end quote, in Atlanta.
0: I guess we just have to be agitated. He did more than this,
2: he had the courage to be and to do. Hmm he was mm-hmm. duly elected because of that courage
0: mm-hmm. as a
2: georgia legislator
0: legislator of course his colleagues
2: as is often so true of the kinds of distortion that we get wouldn't seat him because of his views on vietnam he dared to to think mm-hmm. he dared to to think Mm-hmm. and to live by his convictions. He certainly of course, the Supreme Court reversed this mm-hmm. and pointed out the error of the ways of his colleagues. And he was seated, I believe, January 9th, 1967. If that's the wrong thing, let's pretend it was so that I can continue to be sharp. Uh-huh. Let's pretend. We could go on talking about Julian Bond and his contributions, not to black folks because he is black, but to Americans because he is an outstanding
0: mm-hmm. American
2: it is a pleasure it is a privilege to present at this time an orator, a social critic mm-hmm. and most of all a great young man. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you. Thank you a great, great deal. You know, it's usually the custom for most speakers to tell the audience what a great pleasure it is to be wherever you find yourself happening to be. But it is a great pleasure for me to find myself here and to find myself associated, if only in passing, with some of the people who have been... Here on yesterday and today. It's particularly interesting to me to have an opportunity to meet Justice Warren. Dr. Sykes mentioned in the introduction that I had been involved in litigation before the Supreme Court. It's also interesting to look out into the audience and see the last real Attorney General the United States had, Mr. Ramsey Clark. real sense for me, Justice Warren, Attorney General Clark, and Attorney General Clark's father represent, in a very personal way, the difference between the era we discuss, some of us with nostalgia, and the era we find ourselves in now. About two months ago in Kansas City, I appeared on the same platform with former Justice Clark and Mentioned to him that I had been involved in a Supreme Court case. It was titled Julian Bond versus Sloppy Floyd. Mm -hmm. And the issue was whether or not the Georgia House of Representatives had the right to prevent me from taking my seat. And the court under Justice Warren decided unanimously in my favor
0: Mm -hmm. that I was
3: right and they were wrong. And I asked Justice Clark if the same case were to come before the court now if it would be decided in the same fashion and he just laughed and I asked him again what would happen if the course came before the court and he just laughed again and I was told later that justices off the bench don't comment on those on the bench Mm -hmm. but I thought his laughter was sinister and it frightened me But in wondering why I was asked to join the distinguished people who have spoken here, I decided that it must have been because I am a politician, and I've been asked to speak on the politics of inequality. I want to emphasize that I am a politician, not a statesman. Mm A statesman is a politician who cannot get elected, and I am a politician. In political campaigns, I support candidate A or candidate B. In the last election between the two men running, I supported the man who lost. Uh Now trying to get on the good side of the man who won. I probably shouldn't even be here. But I hope he doesn't take unkindly the bad things I and some others said about him during the course of the campaign. I... I want to be friends with him. I'm trying to learn how to tap dance. (laughs) We, We are here on yesterday and today to observe the opening of the repository of the documents of an era of the rather recent American past. Now the record ought to be seen as much more than Mm -hmm. simply pieces of paper, copies of bills, or speeches made. The record in fact is in changes in people's lives, in votes cast for the first time, in elections won, in jobs secured, in education achieved, and in the bittersweet discovery that hamburgers are only hamburgers wherever they are eaten. Now had that era not occurred, life for one-tenth of the nation would be poorer, poorer not in dollars and cents, but in aspirations ended, in hopes dashed, poorer in spirit. That era came to an end four years ago. If. Four years from now, similar gatherings like this one are called to reflect on comparable achievements in the present government. The papers on civil rights would barely fill a good matchbook, and the meeting could be held in a telephone booth. That has been the result of four lost years, and will probably be the result of four years more governments change as do the men who run them the changes of the 60s the papers here reflect as this collection is opened are daily being closed out by men whose civil rights concerns are limited to their right to say busing or quotas or welfare instead of nigger that was the substance of the election just held the choice simply put, was between the past performance of one fallible man and the unproved promises of another. Those who believed Gallup and Harris knew all along that the outcome was never in doubt. We learned that regular Democrats would split over McGovern, that a great deal of organized labor didn't like him, that white Southern voters with George Wallace gone would go to Nixon that much of the wealthy worried about taxes would do the same that the middle class saw safer streets under Nixon that the newly discovered white ethnics wanted to crack down on dissenters and deserters that college students could not stick to anything over a prolonged period of time and that almost no single identifiable group could be found except for black people to cast votes as a block for George McGovern. The old Democratic coalition, much mourned in recent years, had vanished in presidential politics at any rate. So if the election on November the 7th illuminated any political movement at all, it was the movement of the comfortable, the callous, and the smug, closing their ranks and closing their hearts against the claims and calls to conscience put forward by the forgotten and unrepresented elements of American society. Despite all of the talk about Eagleton, the Watergate, the war, welfare, quotas, busing, taxes, the candidate shifts on policy and platform, the last-minute peace initiative, the central issue was always clear. As the Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson has put it, it wasn't the bus, it was us. There is then something wrong with an American election that sees one candidate receiving nearly all of the black votes cast, the other candidate receiving nearly three-quarters of the white votes cast. That does not describe a race between Democrats and Republicans or even between two men named Nixon and McGovern. This was rather a national referendum on what has more politely been called the social issue. For black people in America then, the election results on November the 7th signal consigning nearly all of our political hopes and dreams to an immediate oblivion from which they may never emerge it meant reinstalling in power those who believe in privilege for the powerful and neglect of the powerless it meant giving a four-year free hand to the current occupants of uncle strom's cabin a free hand to men who have demonstrated they have no concern whatsoever for freedom of the press the privacy of the individual or for the constitutionally guaranteed civil rights and civil liberties we should all like to believe are taken for granted by those who govern us. So the president has now got his four more years. Four more years to put his men on the Supreme Court, to turn it back into the progressive social force it used to be, or to continue its current trend toward repression. He will continue to set the budgets, to name the directors, set the policies for the Department of Health, Education and Welfare, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. He will continue to decide whether stocks go up or down, whether money is loose or tight, whether our weekly paychecks buy more or less, or indeed, whether we will have any paychecks at all. He has now got, in fact, four more years in which to shape America to his mold, To recruit from the frightened a constituency against the forgotten now a short while ago the national urban coalition tried to spell out what was wrong in the united states and what it took to set it right america's illness they said which all of us ought to feel in one way or another has its roots in the distance between national ideal and national reality the ideal, of course, is a country where everyone gets an equal chance to perform. Where jobs exist for everyone who wants one. Where health care and personal safety are sure. Where we live in harmony with each other. Where everyone has a decent place to live. The American reality, of course, is something very different from that. All of us know that most American cities are in trouble that poverty continues in the middle of wealth, that unemployment is high, that malnutrition is widespread, that injustice does exist, that tensions do endure. In short, we know that our society does not function the way it might. But if we solve the greatest of our ills, the Urban Coalition says, and they define the greatest American ill as our paralysis, of spirit and will, we can narrow the distance between what we have and what we want. Now, In their view there are several general goals that the country ought to try to pursue. We have to try to achieve full employment with a high level of economic growth, try to provide all citizens with an equal opportunity to participate in American society and in the shaping of the governmental decisions which affect their lives guarantee that no American goes without the basic necessities, those being food, shelter, health care, a healthy environment, personal safety, and an adequate income. And we have to try to meet our obligation to assist in the economic development of the world's lesser developed nations. But in addition to their major goals, in addition to their definition of the paralysis of will, as the major American ill, there is another goal much more desirable and another ill much more horrible. That ill is racism. The goal its containment and eradication. Now, everyone ought to know that there is one consuming problem that makes life in New York's Harlem, in Cleveland's Huff, in Los Angeles' Watts, or Atlanta's Vine City or in any of America's other urban Attica's where some men are held in bondage by some other men both intolerable and insufferable. That single problem is race. It is race that elected our present president in 1968. It is race that made some Americans serve and die more readily than others in Vietnam. It is race that makes some children more educated than others. It is race that colors all of our lives. But over the past several years, solutions to the problem of race and to the pathologies of society that spring from it have been more than abundant. There are several solutions, generally part of the standard American liberal agenda that, if implemented, would begin to make this country a proper place for men and women to live and work a healthy place for children to play and to grow and to learn. Of course none of these utopian things are likely to occur. Our Congress overwhelmingly democratic is atrophied, cautious, and frightened of the president. The much heralded New South seems depressingly like too much of the old. And for four more years we will have leadership in the White House that believes that the American people are children after all, who must be bullied and protected by the great white godfather black Americans traditionally looked to the Congress to the courts and for a few short years to the White House for our political salvation for nearly half a country on Election Day the possibility of an exchange of presidents <laughs> meant nothing more than an exchange of photographs on the post office wall or On a dormitory wall dartboard for black people the election was a referendum on us on whether we would progress run in place or continue sliding backward as we have been doing since 1968 since the president took office we have spent billions more on war over two million more americans have been added to the ranks of the unemployed Six million more are on ever-mounting relief roads. Inflation has reduced our standard of living. Elitist, sexist, and racist practices run rampant, unchecked through public and private American life. None of these practices will be ended by any cataclysmic revolution anytime soon. They can be dented, however, by hard work, by concerted political and social action if that action can gather together the best of what is left of the old coalition. That has been the history of our lives and politics in America.
0: Okay, so it's good afternoon and welcome to January, 2023. It is so amazing that I find that so many people know absolutely nothing about the mandates of the American government, and then choose not to understand why. It is amazing that people just don't understand that America was just never free. And there is a cost of freedom for people who look like me and people who look like you. I don't compare myself to anyone. I know who I am, and if you feel uncomfortable because I'm where I am and you're where you are, understand that I don't have anything to do with that. That's all based on your choices, and everybody has them. What can I say? I'm not gloating, but hell, I know where I am. I'm blessed, and I'm grateful for that blessing. And what can I say about what's happening in your local community, I can't say a damn thing. What can I say about what people are willing to do for you? Because I know what I'm willing to do for myself. And I also am willing to do for my children. But, you know, hey, what is it? What doesn't matter if I can cook my son a meal and take it to him? Well, then he can eat and stay healthy. But, it matters to some folks. But the real deal is is that the obligation is ours. And you can pretend that you don't have an obligation to ensuring adequacy and effectiveness for public services that are mandated across America. And honestly, what can I say? That's your choice to understand. Your choice to do what it is that you do. And if you don't see that the knowledge that you actually possess at this moment, at this time in the universe is relevant to who you are and who you have become. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that somehow change is not going to happen. Change happens with or without you. You know, somebody, you know, so I can't live with or without you. I can live without you. <laughs> That's real. Mm-hmm. Mm. what can I say when people don't understand that they just have human rights what do those rights look like you know I was going to play I was on Wisdom and I was talking about it was a a rally or something a a meeting and they were talking about civil rights in 19 and some years ago (laughs) 19 something and I think we should go back there to where I was because I want to have some comments about, you know, Where's that? Oh, that's the member ID right there. I just need to remember that. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna copy it, send it to myself. Mm hmm. Man, see. And then I'm just gonna put it on a note. Where's the note? Notes, 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 notes. notes? Mm. I'll just send it to myself. How do I say? Mm mm-hmm that's amazing I don't have it I have it somewhere mm-hmm this will do fine Mm mm-hmm command this, there you go and I'll save it there we go I don't know how to save it Mm. it should save Mm mm-hmm and share it to myself of course there we go oh really instead of doing something okay I'm going to send it to myself okay Mm-hmm. Oh, here it all I'll live here. Mm-hmm. My, my, my. It's always something. Mm-hmm. I want to say it to myself. Yeah, I did. I want to say it to myself. Oh, Lord, that was difficult. But you just don't know enough about life. No matter how Old, we get we don't know enough about life and the integrity of life and what it should be. So, let me just go back into the conversation where we were earlier. Where is it going to be? Here we are, y'all.
1: And with Listen collective up. policies to limit inequality, the contrast. Oh, and I. of categorical exclusion.
0: I don't own the copyrights for this material. I'm just using it to share knowledge.
1: and ...categorical allocation of resources as over against genuine equal opportunity are clear. Equality of opportunity does require positive action of whatever kind is feasible and effective in allowing individuals to develop and use their talents. Considering past discrimination and other disadvantages, the needed positive action is where the emphasis must go. Finally, if this is not too general and abstract, all solutions to problems create new problems. We should not be discouraged by that. It's inevitable. The very success of a solution guarantees that it will generate new problems for us. That's why we have history. That's why we're not robots. The mark of great societies as of great men and women is not just the capacity to solve a problem, but to continually face and solve new problems. The deepest meaning of equality of opportunity in America would be that our society comes to provide the specific and realistic conditions in which all persons can engage in that adventure of continuous confrontation with problems, with all their capacities, and with the zest that comes to everyone when we know we are performing at our best. Thank you.
2: Yesterday I called attention to the members of the university committee, which planned this symposium. One of those members is Dr. Melvin P. Sykes, Professor of Educational Psychology at the University of
3: Texas at Austin. He will introduce our guest speaker this morning, Dr. Sykes.
2: In their absence, I would like to recognize President and Mrs. Johnson, Chief Justice and Mrs. Warren, Congressman Pickle, and Texas' most beautiful gift to Capitol Hill, Congresswoman elect Jordan. In a day of what has been called phony patriotism. In a day of seeming anti-intellectualism in a day of a strange kind of metamorphosis where our national emblem seems to be changing from the eagle to the ostrich in a day of benign neglect benign if not utter disregard in a day when a landslide for apathy is mistaken for a mandate from the people, in a day when there is oblique support for the resurgence of the Klan and an, an ignoring of this by the FBI, one begins to wonder, is America safe? This question was raised in the 18th century. Raised in the 18th century. And a black man was the first person to die to ensure the safety of America at that time. The question was raised again In the 19th century, there is a document Mm -hmm. in its original form in the library of the LBJ, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson Library, the Emancipation Proclamation, that spoke to the question, is America safe? And black men died at that time to ensure its safety. In the middle of the 20th century at a time when black Americans were trying to prick the conscience of white America by what we call riots. Although when it happened earlier, during the Revolutionary War, we called it a struggle for independence. A struggle for independence. The questions raised again I want to go back for a moment okay. to the Civil War period because Abraham Lincoln said, I am concerned about the Union. Me too. My total concern is for the safety of the Union. Mm-hmm. If I can save the Union without freeing one slave, I, would do I will it. do that.
0: Amen. That's what
2: he if said. I have to free all slaves to that. save the Union, I will do that my concern is the safety of america so to speak of course i thought he was trying Uh, to say just me no the safety of the union today the question is raised again of course i might say that you probably didn't know that you probably didn't know about christmas addicts because that wasn't in your history books amen i didn't find in my history books there is a lot of educational deprivation Do you
0: understand
2: i say to you i
0: want this i want to say this really quick because you have to understand we're not learning about who we are as people as americans and simply this was uh uploaded six years ago and it's only had 800 views and if i could get more views well then i mean you know it's the civil rights summit of 1972 day two First video, the first video number one. Go and
2: check it out. As long as we have persons like Julian Bond, America will be safe. America will be safe because Julian Bond graduated from a black college. Demeaned, underfinanced, poor in many ways but rich in their contributions to america a reading of your history will recount and talk about the kinds of persons who have graduated mm. from black schools morehouse mm-hmm. being one of the leading institutions there yes, america as, will be safe that's right as, as black, black
0: people as we who in congress have graduated from, black, from institutions. black institutions and while
2: on that subject i think that maybe Our busting and exchange should have started with our college administrators and teachers so that they might have learned what it's like so they could better teach the younger ones and help them to understand busting issues. Amen.
0: The white people are not clapping.
2: Julian Bond was the communications director for SNCC. SNCC? He worked diligently he had the courage of his convictions. He was the beginner of trouble in Atlanta. And I think the one thing trouble in Atlanta, I heard, uh, he began the quote agitation, end quote, in Atlanta.
0: I guess we just have to be agitated. He did more than this,
2: he had the courage to be and to do. Hmm he was mm-hmm. duly elected because of that courage
1: mm-hmm.
2: as a georgia legislator legislator of course his colleagues as is often so true of the kinds of distortion that we get wouldn't seat him because of his views on vietnam he dared to to think mm-hmm. he dared to to think Mm-hmm. and to live by his convictions. He certainly did. Of course, the Supreme Court reversed this mm-hmm. and pointed out the error of the ways of his colleagues. And he was seated, I believe, January 9th, 1967. If that's the wrong thing, let's pretend it was so that I can continue to be sharp. Uh-huh. Let's pretend. We could go on talking about Julian Bond and his contributions, not to black folks because he is black, but to Americans because he is an outstanding mm-hmm. American. It is a pleasure, it is a privilege to present at this time an orator, a social critic, mm-hmm. and most of all, a great young man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: you, thank you a great, great deal. You know, it's usually the custom for most speakers to tell the audience what a great pleasure it is to be wherever you find yourself happening to be, but it is a great pleasure for me to find myself here and to find myself associated, if only in passing, with some of the people who have been here on yesterday and today. It's particularly interesting to me to have an opportunity to meet Justice Warren. Dr. Sykes mentioned in the introduction that I had been involved in litigation before the Supreme Court. It's also interesting to look out into the audience and see the last real Attorney General the United States had, Mr. Ramsey Clark. very real sense for me, Justice Warren, Attorney General Clark, and Attorney General Clark's father represent in a very personal way the difference between the era we discuss, some of us with nostalgia, and the era we find ourselves in now. About two months ago in Kansas City, I appeared on the same platform with former Justice Clark and Mentioned to him that I had been involved in a Supreme Court case. It was titled Julian Bond versus Sloppy Floyd. Mm -hmm. And the issue was whether or not the Georgia House of Representatives had the right to prevent me from taking my seat. And the court under Justice Warren decided unanimously in my favor
0: Mm -hmm. that I was
3: right and they were wrong. And I asked Justice Clark if the same case were to come before the court now if it would be decided in the same fashion and he just laughed and I asked him again what would happen if the course came before the court and he just laughed again and I was told later that justices off the bench don't comment on those on the bench Mm -hmm. but I thought his laughter was sinister and it frightened me But in wondering why I was asked to join the distinguished people who have spoken here, I decided that it must have been because I am a politician, and I've been asked to speak on the politics of inequality. I want to emphasize that I am a politician, not a statesman. Mm A statesman is a politician who cannot get elected, and I am a politician. In political campaigns, I support candidate A or candidate B. In the last election between the two men running, I supported the man who lost.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Now trying to get on the good side of the man who won. I probably shouldn't even be here, but I hope he doesn't take unkindly the bad things I and some others said about him during the course of the campaign. I. I want to be friends with him. I'm trying to learn how to tap dance. (laughs) we, We are here on yesterday and today to observe the opening of the repository of the documents of an era of the rather recent American past. Now the record ought to be seen as much more than Uh simply pieces of paper, copies of bills, or speeches made. The record in fact is in changes in people's lives, in votes cast for the first time, in elections won, in jobs secured, in education achieved, and in the bittersweet discovery that hamburgers are only hamburgers wherever they are eaten now had that era not occurred life for one-tenth of the nation would be poor poor not in dollars and cents but in aspirations ended in hopes dashed, poor in spirit that era came to an end four years ago If. Four years from now, similar gatherings, like this one, are called to reflect on comparable achievements in the present government. The papers on civil rights would barely fill a good matchbook, and the meeting could be held in a telephone booth. That has been the result of four lost years, and will probably be the result of four years more. Governments change as do the men who run them The changes of the 60s the papers here reflect as this collection is opened Are daily being closed out by men whose civil rights concerns are limited To their right to say busing or quotas or welfare instead of nigger That was the substance of the election just held the choice Simply put, was between the past performance of one fallible man, and the unproved promises of another. Those who believed Gallup and Harris knew all along that the outcome was never in doubt. We learned that regular Democrats would split over McGovern, that a great deal of organized labor didn't like him, that white Southern voters with George Wallace gone would go to Nixon that much of the wealthy worried about taxes would do the same that the middle class saw safer streets under Nixon that the newly discovered white ethnics wanted to crack down on dissenters and deserters that college students could not stick to anything over a prolonged period of time and that almost no single identifiable group could be found except for black people to cast votes as a block for George McGovern. The old Democratic coalition, much mourned in recent years, had vanished in presidential politics at any rate. So if the election on November the 7th illuminated any political movement at all, it was the movement of the comfortable, the callous, and the smug, closing their ranks and closing their hearts against the claims and calls to conscience put forward by the forgotten and unrepresented elements of American society. Despite all of the talk about Eagleton, the Watergate, the war, welfare quotas, busing, taxes, the candidate shifts on policy and platform, the last-minute peace initiative, the central issue was always clear. As the Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson has put it, it wasn't the bus, it was us. There is then something wrong with an American election that sees one candidate receiving nearly all of the black votes cast, the other candidate receiving nearly three-quarters of the white votes cast. That does not describe a race between Democrats and Republicans, or even between two men named Nixon and McGovern. This was rather a national referendum on what has more politely been called the social issue. For black people in America then, the election results on November the 7th signal consigning nearly all of our political hopes and dreams to an immediate oblivion from which they may never emerge. It meant reinstalling in power those who believe in privilege for the powerful and neglect of the powerless. It meant giving a four-year free hand to the current occupants of Uncle Strom's cabin. A free hand to men who have demonstrated they have no concern whatsoever for freedom of the press, the privacy of the individual, or for the constitutionally guaranteed civil rights and civil liberties we should all like to believe are taken for granted by those who govern us. So the president has now got his four more years. Four more years to put his men on the Supreme Court, to turn it back into the progressive social force it used to be, or to continue its current trend toward repression. He will continue to set the budgets, to name the directors, set the policies for the Department of Health, Education and Welfare, The Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. He will continue to decide whether stocks go up or down, whether money is loose or tight, whether our weekly paychecks buy more or less, or indeed, whether we will have any paychecks at all. He has now got, in fact, four more years in which to shape America to his mold. To recruit from the frightened a constituency against the forgotten now a short while ago the national urban coalition tried to spell out what was wrong in the united states and what it took to set it right america's illness they said which all of us ought to feel in one way or another has its roots in the distance between national ideal and national reality the ideal, of course, is a country where everyone gets an equal chance to perform, where jobs exist for everyone who wants one, where health care and personal safety are sure, where we live in harmony with each other, where everyone has a decent place to live. The American reality, of course, is something very different from that. All of us know that most American cities are in trouble, that poverty continues in the middle of wealth, that unemployment is high, that malnutrition is widespread, that injustice does exist, that tensions do endure. In short, we know that our society does not function the way it might. But if we solve the greatest of our ills, the Urban Coalition says, and they define the greatest American ill as our paralysis, of spirit and will, we can narrow the distance between what we have and what we want. Now in their view there are several general goals that the country ought to try to pursue. We have to try to achieve full employment with a high level of economic growth, try to provide all citizens with an equal opportunity to participate in American society and in the shaping of the governmental decisions which affect their lives, Guarantee that no American goes without the basic necessities those being food Shelter health care a healthy environment personal safety and an adequate income And we have to try to meet our obligation To assist in the economic development of the world's lesser developed nations But in addition to their major goals In addition to their definition of the paralysis of will as the major American ill, there is another goal much more desirable and another ill much more horrible. That ill is racism. The goal its containment and eradication. Now everyone ought to know that there is one consuming problem that makes life in New York's Harlem, in Cleveland's Huff, in Los Angeles' Watts, or Atlanta's Vine City or in any of America's other urban Atticas, where some men are held in bondage by some other men, both intolerable and insufferable. That single problem is race. It is race that elected our present president in 1968. It is race that made some Americans serve and die more readily than others in Vietnam. It is race that makes some children more educated than others. It is race that colors all of our lives. But over the past several years, solutions to the problem of race and to the pathologies of society that spring from it have been more than abundant. There are several solutions, generally part of the standard American liberal agenda, that, if implemented, would begin to make this country a proper place for men and women to live and work a healthy place for children to play and to grow and to learn. Of course none of these utopian things are likely to occur. Our Congress overwhelmingly democratic is atrophied, cautious and frightened of the President. The much heralded New South seems depressingly like too much of the old. And for four more years we will have leadership in the White House that believes that the American people are children after all, who must be bullied and protected by the great white godfather. Black Americans traditionally looked to the Congress, to the courts, and for a few short years to the White House for our political salvation. For nearly half a country on election day, the possibility of an exchange of presidents meant nothing more than an exchange of photographs on the post office wall or On a dormitory wall dartboard for black people the election was a referendum on us on whether we would progress run in place or continue sliding backward as we have been doing since 1968 since the president took office we have spent billions more on war over two million more americans have been added to the ranks of the unemployed Six million more are on ever mounting relief roads. Inflation has reduced our standard of living. Elitist, sexist, and racist practices run rampant, unchecked through public and private American life. None of these practices will be ended by any cataclysmic revolution anytime soon. They can be dented, however, by hard work, by concerted political and social action if that action can gather together the best of what is left of the old coalition. That has been the history of our lives and politics in America.
0: So it's apparent that perhaps we are in a time flux of change. And I'll say, good morning. This is 2023, and it happens to be January the 23rd. It is 6.08 in the a.m., and welcome to this little opportunity to share a little bit of information for you, as we all have to understand the intent behind the federal funding in America, as we all pay. So let's just listen up, shall we? Because you wouldn't believe me if I told you so. Why should I be the one? Let's just all listen and learn. Go and grow, my friend. Go and grow.
4: U.S. Department of Education announces $63 million to expand community schools and increase social, emotional, mental health, and academic support for students, educators, and families. January 18, 2023. Contact press office. Two zero two four zero one one five seven six. Press at Today, the U.S. Department of Education Department announced $63 million in new five-year full-service community schools (FSCS) grants to support 42 local educational agencies, nonprofits or other public or private organizations and institutions of higher education working to expand existing community schools or establish new programs in eight new states and territories, including Alabama, Alaska, Louisiana, Maryland, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Tennessee and Puerto Rico meaning the needs of that whole child is essential to help America's students grow academically and improve their well-being. That's why the Biden-Harris administration is committed to supporting the adoption of community school models across the country, which provide comprehensive, integrated supports to our nation's students, their families, and their communities. Community schools meet the unique needs of the neighborhoods they serve by leveraging local nonprofit private sector, and agency partnerships to bring services into school buildings. This includes services such as high-quality tutoring, health, mental health and nutrition services, and high-quality early learning programs, among others, for students in the community. Community schools are an essential component of accelerating our students' learning and supporting their social, emotional, and mental health, and deepening community partnerships. At the height of the pandemic, community schools connected students and families with vital nutrition assistance, mental, physical, and other health services, and expanded learning opportunities. This work continues today because we know that students learn best when there is a comprehensive and holistic approach to meeting their needs, said U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona. I am thrilled that through the historic investment we're announcing now, The department is funding the largest cohort of grantees in the history of this grant program. This represents a huge step toward the Biden-Harris administration's goal of doubling the number of full-service community schools across the country and raising the bar for our support of children. This year's grant competition received the largest number of applications in the history of the program. Demonstrating the enormous need to have a continuum of coordinated support to address students' academic, social, emotional and mental health needs. The new grantees are committed to implementing the four pillars of community schools. 1 Integrated student supports that address out-of-school barriers to learning through partnerships with social and health service agencies and providers. 2 Expanded and enriched learning time and opportunities three active family and community engagement, and four collaborative leadership and practices. Community schools provide a range of services to meet the unique needs of the students, families, and broader communities they serve. Studies have found that well-implemented community schools with integrated student supports, active family and community engagement, expanded and enriched learning time, and collaborative leadership practices, can lead to improved student and school outcomes, particularly for students in high-poverty schools. The White House today also released a new toolkit that outlines how federal grant funding from other government agencies, such as the Departments of Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, and Transportation can be used to support the implementation of the community school model. Today's announcement comes while Secretary Cardona is at Turner Elementary School in Washington, D.C., one of two District of Columbia public schools, DCPS, where FSCS funding will ensure a strong pipeline of services and further demonstrate the Biden Harris administration's commitment to providing a high quality education for all students. DCPS is one of the 42 local educational agencies, nonprofits, Or other public or private entities and institutions of higher education to receive this funding. The department conducted robust outreach to expand interest and almost half of grantees in this cohort are first-time grantees. Notably, this cohort includes the first set of grantees in the history of the program that have expressed a commitment to scaling the community school model across the grantees state. With this award, The department has awarded FSCS grants in 20 states and territories. The Full Service Community Schools awardees are listed below. For the full list of grantees and abstracts, please visit the Full Service Community Schools webpage.
0: deal is, is that I heard it stopped a second ago. Here we are living in America as American citizens. Who are we? And you know, there are just some things that happen around us every day as we don't understand the requirement to do what? To participate in the process of oversight As this is a level of measuring accountability in all of the 50 states. But when your state don't even participate, well, the deal is, is that, you know, who are you? And I don't know what state that is, and I have to go back and look. Who are you, and what is it that you're doing? As an American citizen, it is an obligation to engage in the process of citizenship, But perhaps you don't even understand what it entails, and that be a real reality, as we only know what we know based on our ability to engage in the process, and we don't know what we don't know. And therein lies the uh, conundrum, as we, we all pay taxes, but when people like, what's his name? Usher and Diana Ross and all the black performers that are making money here in Nevada and then they brought the Raiders, Oakland yay, rowdy and I'm saying wow but when our people are not making through the public school system it's a, and it's it's a perception as to how we needed to be treated as ignorant people and here we are understanding what? Absolutely nothing. As we as a people have not provided a level of engagement for the people who look like us. Actually, it is a problem. And what am I saying, Boo? I'm only saying that you are only who you are based on your belief of who you are. And as you do not believe that you have any power, then you are absolutely powerless. It is the local states that have to apply for this money. Or what? Seeding Success, a multi-district grant in Tennessee that got over $2 million. But, I mean, what is it? The Patterson Board, Patterson Board of Education, they got a half a million dollars. I think, oh, let's see the Picard community for academic excellence. They got $9 million as part of state grant funding. And, you know, in America, let's just understand if you win a lot of money here in Nevada, well, guess what? You will pay your 24% of the taxes. And who knows what I'll be able to earn based on my podcast here on Anchor as it is a global show and I talk or refer to public services here in America but I'm sure we have human capital all over the world and it makes a difference as to where you choose to land your feet, especially if you have been engaged in the political process of advocacy for the people who look like you not necessarily the people who represent you but just looking alike and understanding that perhaps just because you look like somebody doesn't mean that you are an advocate for those people and state scaled funding grants and I mean you know you have to understand when we're talking about capacity to build and development block grants we're talking about federal money uh, Dr. Umar is getting all these supports <clears throat> what bothers me the most is that Wherever he's educating these children, he's not getting the state-aligned funding dollars from the federal government or from the the state government. I mean, he's an educational entity. He should be able to apply for the money. As we all know, that they're not doing the work in the local schools, and his measured success with the people should be enough to ensure adequacy is given to his organization to manage the funding but you know the problem is is that he ain't getting no money he begging the community he begging the people who are trying to get money and get donations to ensure accuracy happens for their children but my problem is those dollars never stop flowing to the the local district that's right even if you ain't going to school anymore those dollars still follow you as an individual And they don't stop until you go into another facility. Unless what? Unless they are what? Incarcerated. When you get incarcerated, the money just follows you. Because, you know, it's enough for everybody. Bing, bing, bing. Especially when you don't understand human capital. But what should I say? I only wish. I wish that we could wake up. I wish that you understood that we defeat our purpose when we don't work together. And egos are just like assholes. Everybody got one. So my conversation to you today is to wake up in 2023 and welcome to America. Who do you be? Like, subscribe, follow me here on my podcast here on Anchor. Yet it is provided to you through Apple and Spotify and several other platforms. Wake up in America. Wake up because if your children ain't making it and you're not making it, it's because you're choosing not to make it. However, when Kanye said it, perhaps he didn't come out right. As slavery is a choice, you can choose not to participate Or you can stop being bamboozled and wake the hell up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. E-Purpose, you know, out of many, there's one, but out of one, there may be none. Who are you willing to be in 2023? Wake up and stand with me. Y'all like, subscribe, share, 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 and wake up in America.